I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I know. You just like to start when we start. But now that we start after we start, you don't know how to start. I don't know how to start. Do you want to start? I think, I think this is did. already the show, right? Yeah. Now we're in it now. You can tell. The green light goes on. There's no light. <laughs> you can get mm. a light. I had too much Flonase. I feel really weird. What is that? What is what is Flonase supposed to do? Is it it's a liquid that you squirt up your nose that's supposed uh-huh. to make it easier to breathe through your nose? Yes, and my lady friend has <clears throat> come to. Uh, we both have stupid sinuses, and um, she's been uh, really benefiting from it. And uh, I used to take a long time ago, but it was more fun to take Claritin because it's speedy. Mm-hmm. I'm still taking Claritin because it's speedy uh, in the morning. Uh, but I'm trying Flonase, and today's day four. And according to the instructions, which I read because I read the instructions, it says around day three or four you should start noticing something. <laughs> uh, what What is Flonase? What What is it actually doing? Um, let me. I don't have. Where's my glasses? It is uh, like an anti-inflammatory. Uh, allergy symptom reliever nasal spray. Mm-hmm. Active ingredient. <laughs> The glow. Oh God, it's hard to read. Glucocorticoid. I think. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. I, I got a good feeling about. It. Hey, everybody. Um, we've been doing this for a while now. Just so you guys, I'm not going to release unless unless. Okay, here's the thing. John was very terse with me, and and John Syracuse was very, I think, impatient and terse with me, and a little bit, if I'm being honest, a little. Little little short with me in the pre-flight. So <laughs> I, wish, I, reserved... I wish I could do the line from uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs. If Not I'm tipping? curt with you, it's because... Oh, oh that's uh, Pulp Fiction. N- is it? The Wolf. Yeah, I guess right. you're right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny, you know, my, my lady friend went to Santa Cruz. And, uh, well, I shouldn't say too much, but, you know, it's a, it's a college that interests my daughter. And so they went down there and visited couple weeks ago so she she doesn't have the same vincent vega banana slug slugs t-shirt but she did get some santa cruz gear mm-hmm. they have a lot of deer down there deer are interesting because deer are basically they start out like dogs and turn into roaches it's really fun for a while and then pretty soon you're like Ugh, enough mm-hmm. with the deer you know what i mean yeah. Do you get and deer, then, and then you get you get the deer ticks. I know all about that. See, now this is why this is why I'm terse with you during the pre-flight because if we don't, we'll just if you're terse we'll just spin with me. out into into its entire own show. If, what do you imagine pre- we're doing here, John? This is not national security, right? But the pre-flight needs to just be the pre-flight so we can get to the show. I don't want to waste any gold in the pre-flight. I want all it to be in the show. So in the pre-flight, I'm trying to steer you back to let's just do the pre-flight. Let's not you're talk about steering Flonase. me. Yeah, by committing I'm the to. sin of Onan. No, that's not related. You did. You, you're spilling your gold upon the ground. Am I? Mm-hmm. I don't it's like the fact that gold is portrayed podcast. by a Scottish person in the cable news commercials. I don't like it at all. So Flonase uh, apparently is I don't like that Matt synthetic... Damon is in a crypto commercial. I don't like that either. I don't see commercials, so yeah. Is that something I, I don't need see to color, on a commercial so... to understand? I'm going to just mm. use that one now. Um, it's a synthetic steroid, apparently. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm a synthetic dude. In our synthetic relationship. Wow, you're mm-hmm. so terse with me. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's Reconcilable Differences. And uh, we're here to visit with you again uh, fortnightly to, um, you know, we'll talk about uh, our relationship and our feelings. Sure. How do you describe the show to people? Um, I don't. Uh, okay, cool. Just, yeah, I don't. I think hmm. that's true. 
Doesn't Have you had any up. surgery recently? What's happening with you? What's going on? No, with you? Uh, side effects of nasal steroids. Some okay. common short-term and long-term side effects that may occur when using intranasal steroid sprays like Flonase. Trouble staying on topic. Mm-hmm. Burning, dry, burning, dryness, crusting, other irritation inside the nose. Okay. Okay. Other possible side effects: occasional nosebleeds, headaches, mm. and here's the good one: nasal whistling. Mm. <laughs> Can't do it. I think I've lost a lot of my uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Lability, my 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 flexibility. I I can't whistle like I used to. John, have your lips gotten fat too? Is it just me? I was never a good whistler, so I don't feel like I've lost anything there. I'm really envious. Like when a guy goes in a men's room and whistles like Bing Crosby, I'm really envious. I wish I'm I could immediately do that. suspicious of that. We could do that kind of thing. No, I don't want to. I just that's it's like warning, warning. Leave this restroom. No, not, why, why would you say something like that? No. If time was, every old man could whistle. I think they taught it to you in basic training, probably. Not in the restroom. Someone comes into the restroom whistling, I am out of there. They're letting you know, occupado, it's okay. Everything's cool and I'm whistling, so I must be, you know, an older dude. <clears throat> um, John, you've been tracking this more closely than I have. Uh, would you tell them about some special offers that we have? Sure, it is the season for gift giving, I suppose. Um, and uh, Relay, the folks at Relay have a new way that you can give a gift this holiday season. If you're listening to this and you are already a Relay FM member and support Reconcilable Differences with your membership, thank you very much. And you get all thank the extra content that we have on the end of our, our at least one show a month. Um, but if you want to get uh, buy a membership for somebody else, previously I think that was not possible, but now it is. If you go to giverelay.com, Give Relay is all in word. Uh, you can gift a Reconcilable Differences membership to someone else for 22% off. This is only for new subscribers. So that means someone who's not already subscribed to Relay. So if you know someone in that situation and you want to get them a gift for 22% off, you can do that at giverelay.com. Or if you yourself are not a member, not currently a member, uh, and you have never subscribed, you can become a new subscriber and you yourself right. can get 22% off. Uh, and what you get for the membership is you get this same show, but with no ads. And mm-hmm. once a month, you get a show that is longer because it has extra stuff at the end. And you also get our annual special member special episode and all the annual men- member special episodes for every single Relay FM podcast. So uh, you didn't mention the wallpapers. Are there wallpapers? I think there's wallpapers. Mm, I don't, they reflect I don't, the, uh, I don't, the I don't want to promise wallpapers that, that I don't know about. Anyway, go to giverelay.com. Check mm-hmm. it out. 22% off for new members. It's a good deal. Um, and the way you do it is you go to the website, you read about all the crap you get, you scroll down, mm-hmm. and then there's a bunch of podcasts. You want to click on the one that says Reconcilable Differences because that's Please. us, and that will give that's you us. membership to mm-hmm. our show that will let you get our extra member content. And you get our wallpaper. I think we have a wallpaper. John's not going to guarantee it um, because he doesn't like to write a, a check that his narrow ass can't cash, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm pretty sure there's wallpapers too. People like wallpapers, uh, you know, and as ever, you know, well, I, you know, I would, I don't know how they arrived at 22%. It's, it's because it's like a, it's like an integer number of like dollars off and then they just back solve for the percent. Oh, that makes perfect sense. There you go. I thought it was more like uh, a place I used to live near in Florida, a place called Booker Creek. Don't be creepy. was a park, uh, not too far from where I lived. And, uh, it's the first place I ever saw that thing where they have a speed limit sign and the speed limit is like, you know at least an odd number, maybe even a prime mm-hmm. number. I think it was, I think the speed limit was like nine miles per hour. I was like, mm-hmm. I get that. That's clever. Cause mm-hmm. then you notice it. Yep. Or so yeah. they hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, slow down, you know, kids, kids, uh, parking. Anyway, Gator thanks everybody. 
Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for listening. I choose to look at it that way. You might just be in it for the wall wallpaper, but <laughs> I choose to look at it as you supporting us because if I slept at night, it would help me sleep better. There you go. Mm, boy, I got a lot going on here. I remounted my uh, my elevation shelf today. I went to the hardware store and then I remounted my shelf, cleaned up my toys. I, I've, I've been very busy today. And then I have Flonase and ramen. Oh, geez, I've been busy today, too. I should put that in. We don't have time for that this week, but maybe I'll Ooh, talk about it. put it in there. Again. If it's in the document, we can thing. always come back to um, it. Yeah, yeah, let's see. Uh, what kind of keyboard is that? It's the one that came with my Mac. Mm-hmm. Thanks. It's like the Apple, Apple Extended Aluminum. Whatever. Yeah, that's what I've got, I think. I put stickers on mine so I could see what my shortcuts are. Yeah, used to be able to on the Apple Extended too. It had enough room for it. Actually, came with like a little overlay template thing. Do you remember that on the Apple Extended? I too? don't. But that's so. Oh, you mean the old one, the Gruber keyboard? The Gruber keyboard. I was using it before he was. But yeah, that's the true. Syracuse keyboard, or also, also known as the Gruber was your idea. As the, as the Gruber Flop keyboard. Yes, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. The Apple Extended Two uh, keyboard was my idea. Um, okay. When when you bought that, since the it did something you that still I think find mine, John's signature on the inside on the aluminum. <laughs> Since it did something that I think keyboards should still do but don't, um, the keyboard had space between the number keys and the function keys. I don't know why yep. they don't do that anymore. It's such I a know, good I idea. T- I totally agree. I totally agree. It's like they're they're separate. It's like the numbers should be the top of the QWERTY keyboard, and then there's leave some space, and then have the row of function keys. I anyway, know, it's but, like we're not living on a boat, you guys. It's okay. Right. I've, I've we got, have room. I've got the, I can spare the centimeter. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pr- trust me, I can spare the centimeter. Anyway. Can't spare a square. Um, yeah. Uh, and... What that did in the in the Apple Extended too was huge. It had huge margins around all the sides and everything, so it was plenty of room. And it mm-hmm. came with a pl- uh, like a thin plastic rectangle that you would lay over the function keys, and you could write with a right. pencil, I assume, or a pen. I don't know what they mm-hmm. expected you to write with. You would write what each function key did if you wanted to. So underneath the F one key on the little rectangle, you know, you'd write this does this, and this like it was it was a very kind of a, a PC kind of thing to do, a personal computer kind of thing yes. to do. Yes, um, and not very Mac like at all. But because the the keys just said F1, F2, F3. This is long before the time when they, when they but like, started. I, but there's a lot of people who just never, ever since. So everybody learned, most people learned how to do word processing on a PC clone, mostly. Well, that's that's a lot of assumptions. But most people I know who started somewhere with computers were on DOS or perhaps Windows. And you had a lot to learn. And then Max had that cool keyboard. And it came with a, and a junk, God. I just remember being on the original Mac, how chunky that whole keyboard was. But like, you know, for the keys to be useful, you have to know what they are, what they do. And I know they print stuff on here, but like, it's very lightly printed. I'm looking at this. I can barely see. I don't know from muscle memory, which ones are pause, next, you know, volume and everything. But for to be useful, you got to know what it is. And with me, I'm, I'm a big uh, Better Touch Tool boy. So one reason I get the extended is I use the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven keys, you know, on the extended part mm-hmm. for shortcut things. NV all drafts task paper, one password, uh, go to the desktop, go to the downloads. Uh, wait, what does that end do? <laughs> I'm not sure I remember. Uh, it's not NV alt. Huh. I forget what I use that for. 
But you were saying, oh, look at that, John. Oh, man, look at that. John just sent me an image. <sighs> all right, so look at the very top keyboard. The top keyboard has the yeah. overlay thing on it, all right? So this came with the keyboard. It was a thin piece of plastic, right? And you can see that they did undo, cut, copy, and paste. That's printed in Italic. That's actually like it would come with that printed on there for F1, mm -hmm. F2, F3, F4. They said undo, cut, copy, and paste. Whether or not the F1 through 4 actually did those operations in your program was totally hit or miss. But you can see how... First of all, yeah. see how the overlay goes on. There's these little pins on the keyboard, one to the upper left of the escape key and one above the upper right of the funk of the turn on the little button. guides. Yeah, they're just like little posts, little tiny mm -hmm. plastic posts. That's what like those pipes. little yeah. nubbins are for, because you hook the, the plastic template. Oh, no, sheet. I'm sorry. I see you're saying to I see the little the little peg things in. The, yeah, you yeah, hook yeah, the yeah, little yeah. template on that and that holds it in place and keeps it taut. Right. So it doesn't like buckle or whatever. Right. And then do you see the little like they have little like marks between like F5, That's F6, what I was F7, thinking of, like the pipes, you would write, or, yeah. you would write <gasps> in between those little spaces. You would I say, okay, this. F5 does this. Like I, again, presumably in pencil, presumably you're there taking a pencil and just scratching. Okay. F5 does, you know, bucket fill or whatever. And you would write that on that. That's the idea behind this thing. Such a terrible idea. Like I've never, I, I never used it for that. Really? Purpose. You think writing with pencil on your keyboard is no good because it'll rub off, but... But you're not, I mean, you're not writing on the keyboard. You're writing this overlay. But the idea that you would, like, that you would put this overlay on... First, you only got one of these overlays. So you would label the keys so you remember what F5 did. But is it going to do that in every program? Like, if you programmed F5 in, in Super Paint to do something, do you take that little overlay off and put it on when you launch Super Paint? Yeah, it I see. It's a misguided notion. Uh, but I get it. Did it. Come I see what people. you're saying. Yeah. But, but like I said, the, hmm. these keys just say F1, F2, F3. They don't have a little picture of, you know, a sun or, you know, a speaker with sound coming out or all the little pictures they put on the function keys today. But anyway, great ideas from this keyboard. Look, look at that escape key. Look how it's, it's got space to its right. It's, it's so chunky and like they're not afraid to have like space around it and stuff. It's like, this is just, this is so luxurious. And I, I really like the, I guess you'd use the word, you'd use closest to, to just relay this thought is italics. I, I like the italicized look of the uh, letters and the characters. Yeah, it was very, very late 80s, early 90s. I mean, you could argue with the huge amount of space above the function keys being ridiculous, which is why this uh oh, you can write your password there. That's where you put your password. Yeah. Internally, the I think the Apple Extended 1 and 2 ha were named after aircraft carriers. I think it was Nimitz and Saratoga, uh, if mm -hmm. I'm pulling this out of my head the right way. Mostly yeah. because of that huge area above the function keys, which is just, you know, not useful space. But yeah, this layout, so much room. Uh, and you got LEDs see. for a numlock, cap lock. It's, all right, sorry, not enough enough keyboard memory. It's, it's gorgeous, but yeah, it is confusing. And I, from the time of Quicksilver, especially, this is probably true of Quick Keys a million years ago, but especially since the time of Quicksilver. You know, I, I, I've learned to like listen to my heart and like just come up with, if it's not stepping on anything that's already an important thing, I can make a new chord, you know, and associate that with it. Like I've got one, for example, I've got fans here at the office, right? So if I hit command, option, <laughs> shift, F, that turns my fans on. And then command, option, control, F, turns them off or should turn them off. You know, I have a question for you. I try not to ask you too many questions because I know you're not my tech support. But um, I need to turn these fans off now. I don't know why it didn't work. Um, hey, so a thing that I do a lot and that I encourage uh, all my kids to do is to acquaint yourself with the idea that you can send a surprising number of things, well, first of all, using Siri, 
right? So if you're on a web page, you can say, hey, Dingus, remind me about this in one hour. I know you know that, but like some people don't. And I think it's important that people know that. It doesn't work for everything on every, all things, but it works like pretty well. So if I'm like laying on my butt, like looking at my iPad in the afternoon, I see something Gruber linked to that I want to download. It's really easy to just say, you know, remind me about this in two hours or whatever. So what I do though on, on my Macs, and I'm struggling with this, I have got, I went into settings and keyboard and app shortcuts, and I created one for Safari that is uh, option, command, shift, N, adds it to notes. Option, command, R, adds it to reminders. But it doesn't seem to persist. It shows up in that stupid new modern way. We like to gray things out, even though it's not meaningful to gray it out. Um, it's, it's, it shows it next to, so like if I go to my arrow, my up arrow, share arrow in Safari, I see them next to notes and reminders. Why do you suppose that doesn't persist? It'll work for a while and then it won't. And it says it's assigned. Why wouldn't that work? Do you know? When it stops working, do you still see the stupid little grayed out uh, keyboard shortcut next to the command you're? Yeah, like right now. Um, is the command nested uh, uh, below the top level of a menu? Um, all I did was go into settings and, you know, the one where it says give it the same name as the menu, which seems pretty hacky, but it's basically the equivalent of going to uh, file, share, and it does show up under there as well. If I go to file, share, notes, it shows oh, yeah. up there so it, as well. It is nested, and not only is it nested, it's nested under one of those menus whose contents are dynamic based on which extensions are visible. So it's just, okay. it's just buggy. I mean, that, okay. that whole system, as you noted, like when you set it up, you have to exactly match the text of a menu item, and it has no concept of nesting so it's just like well i guess if that item appears in either a top level menu or a sub menu anywhere and it's spelled that way we'll try mm-hmm. to match it but as you've seen it is not particularly reliable you should try a keyboard maestro or something else more reliable when it works it's i you know i'm just afraid it's an attractive nuisance for me i've spent just enough time with it to go ooh, i gotta be careful with this because i could really disappear i think into keyboard maestro but you, it's you like for just limiting. I just want other people to make it for me, you know? Yeah, or you use it for limited circumstances. I mean, for years, the only thing I used Keyboard Maestro for was a single shortcut that centered the current, the frontmost window. Because I didn't have anything else that did that, and Keyboard, keyboard Maestro did. Oh, I just, it's, it's so funny you should say that. I added a launch bar action uh, just over the weekend for that. This, this dude has made a whole bunch of really cool launch bar actions, some of which I can get to work and some of which I can't, some of which are in German. I can't figure out the localizations on that. But yeah, he's got one for cent- just center this winter window. The one I, the reason I got it is he's got a launch bar action, a .lb action for like get rid of all my notifications on Mac or view mm-hmm. all my notifications. Yeah. I just, I can't believe that's such a donkey Does he have drill. one for fix the notification area on the Mac OS? Because I would hit that shortcut. Mm-hmm. Yep, goes, it goes uh, straight to, straight to uh, well, I don't even remember the joke anymore, to Eddie's house. Tim's house, yeah. Craig's house. Who, who do you drive it to? You drive it to Craig? I was going to go for it uh, with you. You just needed to add a, a keyboard shortcut for that. It's a secret chord that Merlin played. It pleased the Lord, blah, blah, blah. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash rd. Burrow is the company that's striving to set a new standard in furniture with easy-to-move modular designs. They include things like a timeless American mid-century and contemporary Scandinavian styles, 
in premium, durable materials like responsibly forested hardwood, top-grain Italian leather, and reinforced metal hardware. Burroughs in-house design team takes a research-driven approach because they want to make sure that their furniture fits your lifestyle. And that's why they produced simple mounting guide posters for their index wall shelves and a tool-free assembly process. Well, you're not going to find that in a lot of places, believe me. Burrow has a modern website that's super easy to use, and that means you can create and customize your own furniture right from your home. On your nasty old couch with your, you know, cruddy non-index wall shelves, get on it. You go there. You go to the website, burrow.com slash rd. You're not going to have to go to those old-fashioned warehouse stores and high-pressure showrooms. I've been in both, and they didn't tell me to say this, but I recommend not doing that. I, I don't like high pressure. I don't like showrooms, and warehouses can be drafty. You can do it right from your house. And uh, crazy thing, you're going to enjoy free shipping for everything. Every order, no matter how small or large, is delivered directly to your door for free, which can save you well over $100 when buying a large item like a couch. If you ever need help, the Burrow team is always available to lend a hand from custom orders to rescheduling and delivery. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'll say it till I'm uh, blue in the face. I bought a Burrow couch before they were ever a sponsor on this show. It made it through the very difficult decision-making funnel of many, many kinds of, uh, in some cases, much more costly couches. And I'm super happy with it. When I'm done recording this, I'm going to go home and I'm going to put my butt right on my burrow. Once again, they did not tell me to say that. So, uh, you know, uh, you go to, uh, you go to burrow.com. That's B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash R-D. R-D, just like it sounds. You're going to get $75 off your first order. It's burrow.com slash R-D check them out. It's where my butt goes. They can just have that. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Minor drift. That's, oh, that's Leonard Cohen. Good one. There you okay. go. All right. Um, hey, <clears throat> I think I had too much Flonase. We have some follow-up this week. Duka, 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 duka follow-up. And this is, this is uh, as I like to say, in memory of the great Stephen Sondheim, I'm going to paraphrase, say it, say it thrice, and it's almost like praying. Third time is a charm. That's from the song Maria from West Side Story. I know you don't like movies. Um, but uh, we're going to take another try at, at Security by Obscurity. John, what do you have for us this week? Yep, third, third attempt. Um, I, and I bring this up for two reasons. One, Chris Poole uh, pointed out that the way I was trying to, uh, my second attempt to describe security through obscurity actually has a name. It's called Kirchhoff's Principle. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. Not not to be confused with Kirchhoff's laws. That's exactly what I was thinking of Wikipedia. That guy has a lot of laws. I checked. Yeah, no, it's a different guy. Yeah, um, I know. Anyway, Kirchhoff's principle is exactly what I was saying uh, last episode, which is uh, I'll read it from the Wikipedia page um, that a crypto system should be secure even if everything about the system except the key is public knowledge. And as the Wikipedia page says at the end of the introduction, this concept is widely embraced by cr- cryptographers in contrast to security through obscurity, which is not. So it's kind of this is. You know, I was I was explaining security through obscurity by explaining its opposite. Like, <laughs> you know, you know this thing. That's usually my job. <laughs> well, no, but like it, it, it's a valid way to define something. You know this? It's not that, right? So anyway, yeah. So that's yeah, yeah. that actually has a name. Um, but there's an even better example that people are probably more familiar with. Assuming their eyes just glazed over last time, this is probably the less eye glazy one to to do this. And I think we, at least you, probably mentioned this the first time we took a run at this. But it's worth reiterating. And if someone had a good example using a product, people usually know. Um, so if you have Dropbox or some other thing like that, and you want to send someone a file, say it's like your tax return or some other thing, it's like sensitive information. So you basically do want yeah. to keep it secret. 
but you can't be bothered or don't actually know how to actually keep it secure. So you're like, well, I'll just go to Dropbox and get a link, you know, or our Google Drive or whatever. And you can you can get like basically a public link to one of your files. Like make this link and say, and what it usually says with the security, it says something like, anyone with this link can view this document or anyone with this link can edit this document or anyone with this link. But anyway, it just says here, okay, we made you a link. So now this file in your Dropbox, your Google Drive or whatever, this is a, it's a URL. And just, just give someone that URL, right? Yeah. Uh, and as the thing says, there's no security. Anybody who really has secure, the URL. like me, <laughs> you have one password, generate a nonce uh, series of characters. And I know that doesn't make a huge difference, but that's the obscurity. The obscurity is it's not called, you know, my important financial document or whatever. Right. Uh, but, you know, so there, the only security that exists is the fact that, hey, well, I'm only going to give this URL to Bob. So in theory, only Bob can get at it because only Bob has the URL. But there is no actual security because, you know, if you, if, if you give that URL to anyone, they can get it. Or if anyone looks over Bob's shoulder and well, sees the Well, there's no URL. encryption, but that's, don't, doesn't that still count as, I mean, it's not very, it's, it's not exactly military grade to hide your key in a frog, but it is still more secure than taping it to your door. Yeah, and so the security that you have is through its obscurity. If you don't know the keys in the frog, it's secure. If you don't <laughs> know this weird URL with a bunch of weird characters, then, you know, the, the URL is presumably not particularly guessable. Like, you know, maybe right. it has a bunch of garbage characters in it, or maybe maybe people just don't even know the file name, right? And, you know, like, or don't know the path, or don't know, like, your user ID in Dropbox, or don't know that you even made this URL. It is security through obscurity. The security that exists is because you're just not going to tell anyone about this URL. But the URL itself right. has no security, the entire world could be downloading your tax returns a million times over right the second. Nothing is stopping them except for the fact that they don't know the URL. That's security through obscurity. Hmm. I, um, I think that's good. I'm just, I'm thinking about, and I'm feeling like I, 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 this seems like a silly thing to even say, or maybe even a dangerous thing to say, but like, I, I get weird about sending stuff around, you know, that thing. Okay. Here's an example. The thing that happens at Apple, we have heard, at least I have heard. Which is that, you know, everybody inside of Apple is Sergeant Schultz. Like, they don't want to know anything that they don't need to know, right? And I, I go through this with my family, who looks at me extremely perplexed all the time. Let me summarize my feeling on family stuff this way. I never have to wonder if somebody got to my stuff through you. You know what I mean? Like, I never, I never, I never want to have to wonder that. So if it seems like I'm being a real prude about things like good passwords, it's because like that affects, that can affect all of us. Yes, I would like you to get good at this for your own reasons, but but it's also that like, I just think that's good hygiene. But one thing I used to do if I had to send something I considered sensitive was I would do all that tap dancing. But also, it's not exactly two factor exactly, but two, like I'm going to send you something here and then I'm going to send you the password for that there, which I know is not like, but like people are constantly wanting you to like share your screen and send your send your social security number and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you have, do you have a way of dealing with that that lets a person who I'm sure is very very smart in HR or wherever get what they need without feeling like you've compromised yourself in a way that makes you uncomfortable? Do you have a way you like to do that? The multi-channel thing is is valid, especially if like, you like, I'm going to text this to you in messages, well, which of all the various things. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, like, this is a this is this could be an encrypted zipper or whatever. And then, like, I'm going to give you the key to that here. Yeah. So the the choice of the second channel, it's often a good idea to choose a second channel that's a legacy 
channel that has stronger laws about it, right? So anything you send mm. over the internet, who knows who's eavesdropping on that and the laws regarding it are kind of crappy because your ISP might see all your traffic or your neighbor could be looking at your unsecured Wi-Fi, like so many different venues mm-hmm. where yeah, internet, yeah. and the laws surrounding it are not great and whatever. But if you it pick something by like- state, the thing about like whether you're allowed to, as Linda Tripp learned, whether you're allowed to record a phone call varies a lot. Is it a one-party state or a two-party state? The telephone is one of those legacy systems that actually has much more strict and defined laws about it. You kind of know what the deal is. uh, Or like U.S. mail is another example, right? Are you allowed to look at other people's U.S. mail? Are you allowed to listen to other random people's phone calls, right? The Mm -hmm. laws about that are fairly well established and, and, and somewhat knowable because those are more limited systems. The mail is not as complicated as the internet and neither are is the phone system you have more recourse if you know you're in a state where oh it's two-party consent phone recording state um that no one is listening to your you know your neighbor is not listening to your phone call and if they right. are they're in big trouble if you trust the person you know, that you're contacting it's a different thing from somebody who's eavesdropping which is so not legal right, right. yeah so like, again if you're if you're calling someone over the phone you're gonna say okay um here is this encrypted file that i sent you um and i'll call you to tell you the password when you call them over the phone system you you have some reasonable amount of confidence that either no one is listening or the people listening are allowed to because they're the FBI, CIA, NSA. There's nothing you can do about that. Mm-hmm. Or it's obviously against the law. You, if your neighbor has tapped your phone line, mm-hmm. like there, that is a pretty open and shut case about them eavesdropping, right? Whereas if your neighbor is on your unsecured Wi-Fi and using a packet sniffer type thing, that's a much harder case because now it's complicated and it's like, oh, my kid was just running a packet sniffer. I didn't know it was your blah, blah, blah. Like, there's like mm-hmm. the laws about that, even though it seems just as open and shut, if they're tapping your phone line because it's such a simpler system, it's like what, you know, you can't accidentally tap someone's phone line. You're not accidentally overhearing someone's landline phone communications in your house due to some magical interference or network packet, blah, 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 right? Internet stuff is so much fuzzier. So... You know, so anyway, I tend to think of the telephone as being more secure than the internet, the old like landline, non-cellular, and, and and unlike a fax, like a fax might seem like it would be okay. There certainly are professions where they continue to want you to use a fax machine, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's also the idea that like in most cases, unless it's on speaker, I guess if you trust that person, you trust their phone in some yeah. ways. Um, and then the multi-channel one is I'll send you part of the password over SMS and the second part of the password I will send you in the mail or over the phone or whatever. And so the more channels you have, the more difficult it would be for someone to casually yeah, snoop well, at least what less you're easy. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to tell, tell you this because it wasn't interesting and it's still not interesting. But I, I just would like to say that because uh, it is suddenly germane. Uh, I had a really good experience with Apple support this week, uh, as I often do. But it, you know, it makes me really happy when when somebody takes care of something, especially when it's something weird. So I've got an iPhone that I got, I guess, last year. And like most of my more costly hardware things, I bought Apple Care for it. Um, well, so so the voice of this is germane is for the first time in my entire goddamn life, I I allowed someone to share my screen, which was somebody at Apple. But I have to say, the way they did it, have you ever had to do that? The way they do it is pretty cool. It's very like Oberlin University rules where they're like, okay, I would now you've gone to here, you've clicked on that link, DDLED. Now I would like to share your screen. If there's anything you don't want, blah, 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 and so forth. But also like anytime they come back later, they also remind you, now I'm going to look at your screen. I thought they handled it really well. But it was all in the service of helping me with a kind of odd problem, which is suddenly I got a pop-up on my phone. I got a red dot on my settings that said, you need to update your payment method. 
for Apple Care. And I thought, hmm, that's weird. Because I usually do buy, I'm an idiot. I buy, you know, two years of it or whatever, Apple Care Plus. But anyhow, I kept getting this pop-up. And every time I try to fix it, I kept running into these weird problems that, you know, weird enough that I could write it down to beta stuff or to whatever. But so I would go in and I would, I'd have my, cause this is the broken system we live with. I had the password in the pasteboard. I put it in and every time I try to do face ID to authenticate, it just stalled and didn't work, which seemed weird. So to cut a long story short, I eventually did contact them. I'm like, okay, this seems weird. I don't like things about money, things that are wrong. That, sets me. They kicked me up to this person who was just manifestly helpful. And I said, well, you know, my only clue on this is I have two Apple IDs that I have Apple ID A and Apple ID B. And I've gone through the entire, so far, the entire rain dance of logging all the way in, you know, going to check my, you know, payment method, et cetera, all of these things. I said, but here's a clue is that I have a feeling this Apple Care agreement might be associated with my Gmail address. And the guy's like, oh, that's really weird. But he, he like while I was talking to the fella, he like was trying to track it down. And then something amazing happened. He said, Well, I'm gonna need to look into this more and I'm gonna I'll need to call you back. And it generally takes it can take up to five days, but you know, we'll we'll try to figure this out. You know what? Totally got a call from the guy two days later, and he was like, I figured it out. And I'm really sorry on behalf of the company, you've been getting charged twice for this. And be, there was, it was in some liminal space, some no man's land. Like apparently I bought it twice. I bought it, I bought Apple Care Plus when I got the phone. And then, you know, this shows you how, how smart I am. Somehow I got signed up twice and it took this guy <laughs> the equivalent of, you know, a couple days to figure this out. But then he totally called me back. And he said, and thanks, and like, you know, we learned something about this, and that was, uh, we can use that to, you know, make it better for next time. I just wanted to say, A, I shared my screen with Apple, and it wasn't horrible. I still, I want that to be the only time I ever do that with anybody ever. Ugh, stop asking me to do stuff in weird browsers and sharing. Stop it. Stop it. Everybody stop it. Stop asking me to do weird things. Oh, it doesn't work in Safari? Yeah, if it doesn't work in Safari, it's not going to work. Because Safari's saying it doesn't work for a reason. Anyway. And then, so I just wanted to say, uh, first of all, I shared my screen and it wasn't terrible, as far as I know. And, and second, um, I'm kudos to the people at Apple who fixed my weird edge case. I was, very, I was very pleased with how it went. And he gave me a refund. How nice is that? Why do they have to share your screen in this story? Like, what were they, why do they want to drive? Well, I, I say this like it's disparaging. I don't mean it that way. Because I, 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 so, I often don't deserve anything better than first level. But I'm still at first level. And uh, what I would call first level support. And it was a person who, uh, you know, was like, oh, are you sure you did this? Are you sure you did that? So I'm pretty sure I did that. You know, with Touch ID, it makes it really easy. Given that I have Apple ID A and Apple ID B, um, I tend to use, so basically one is my iCloud stuff and one is my media stuff. And you know, it just started because, this, you know, before iCloud ever came along, um, when it was Mac.com, me.com, whatever, that's when I started buying stuff. And there was no easy way to transfer all of that to a different Apple ID, obviously. So then when I got iCloud stuff, I said, well, I might as well, you know, make lemonade and try and, you know, keep only my syncable, uh, iCloud stuff, which at the time, it, it, it seems weirdly prescient that I had this presence of mind to do that because it turned out to be a really good thing. 
So you can be logged into a thing for just your media stuff, logged into a thing for your iCloud stuff. But the point being, it knows that uh, Apple ID A, it says, hey, do you want to hit your Touch ID to log in with Apple ID A? And I say, yes. I go back another time to try Apple ID B. I'm going to very obviously notice because you have to say select a different, you know, Apple ID. Um, and no, I think they just wanted to make sure that I was doing what I said I was doing when I was logging in and see what I'm seeing and that kind of stuff. I, I doubt it was entirely necessary, but I, you know, I, I bet, mm, I don't have a strong opinion about this, but I bet there's a ton of times where it's just so useful to be able to see what's happening on somebody's screen. Over the past 20 years, there's so many times I really wish I could have seen what was on my mom's screen when I'm trying to explain, click on the apple and she says, what apple? And I'm like, Ugh, the upper left, you know, and she's just, you know, using lots of words and it's very difficult. I just like, God, I wish I could just see what it is that's not working. So I, I, I'm guessing that's what, why, before they kicked it up. Yeah, I, I know the utility of it. I'm just wondering, like, in your specific case, why they wanted to do it. I think I've either, I've either seen it done or had it done to me, but I can't, I can't imagine agreeing <laughs> to sharing my screen in most circumstances. That, that's why I say it's literally the only time I have ever done that. But you, do you get my back on this? How often enough somebody comes along and asks you something... Uh, okay, you remember this? You ever go to the financial aid office in college, like I did a lot, and and there's a phrase they would always say as soon as you walked in, you walked up, you said, "Hey, I'm just checking to see if my Pell Grant thing came in or whatever," and and there's a phrase, uh, three words they would say every single time. What's your social, right? <laughs> so in the '80s, you get pretty used to giving your social security number to strangers, which whatever. I guess it was never never intended to be quite the thing that it is that we use it for today. But the point is, I they ask you something as though they're asking you whether you want peas or carrots for lunch. And and I'm like, whoa, uh, share my screen or do this thing or use this browser or allow... I can't tell you how often a, a, a good-hearted podcaster has wanted me on their show and they're using some wackadoo recording system and they're they're going to walk me through how to do this. Right, they're gonna walk me through and go, oh, oh, yeah, that's not gonna work in Safari. Let me walk you through how to do that. Go to Chrome. I'm like, well, I don't have Chrome on any of my devices. Okay, like I will use Vivaldi and I will use Safari, and I will, but I'm, I, you know, I'm not gonna go click the thing like, oh, yeah, do you see like a green light here or a green? I'm like, no, it's all red because I have all of the gates on. I have the most insanely inconveniently setup system you can get on firefox so i i went in you know there's like the couple three options you can say give me the basics give me the usual or go in and be a nut and i have all the nut stuff turned on so anytime somebody goes oh just go here and do that like just share your screen or just you know turn off uh turn off your vpn like oh for hulu to work you have to turn off your vpn well then i'm not going to use hulu on this device like it's just it's i guess what i'm trying to get at john is like i do find it a little frustrating I, i i know as they say just enough to be dangerous but I can tell from the way a lot of people talk in a situation like that, that that's SOP. It's just asking people to do banana stuff, you know, in the same way that if you don't have a password manager, of course your passwords are going to suck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think most people just want stuff to work. Like, that's why that's such standard stuff. And it's presented to you in the same way as the trades people who love to give you the, the, the stern lecture, stern lecture plumbing. They, they, they present it very much as, well, it would be like going into your doctor's office and saying, 
Uh, well, actually, I love my body, but I'm not going to take off my clothes because I think it's a security risk to be in public naked. And the doctor might go, well, in order for me to examine you, I'm going to need to play with your balls a little bit and do some butt stuff. So like, you really need to take your clothes off. And, and you would seem like the nut to go, no, I just, you know, I, I, I understand that's what you need to do, but I would really prefer not to do that. That's a weird example, but you know what I mean. Just when people ask you to do odd stuff with such a familiarity that it's something they ask people to do all the time and nobody probably ever says no. Yeah, your financial aid office thing, uh, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but I went to Boston University and we all had a BU ID, which was our uh -huh. identifier for Boston University. Um, and when you got like grades for your classes, uh, you'd go to the the door of the classroom and there would be a list of uh, a BU IDs and then your grades, right? So it'd be like a spreadsheet. We'd just print it out on a piece of paper. And so you just go look up your BU ID and yeah. you'd see your grade next to the thing. But your BU ID was your social security number. So Same for USF. Same for social security numbers were printed on pieces of paper all over the school. Mine was print. I worked in the library. My work study job was wonderfully working in the library. And yeah, I mean, like basically, if you wanted to reserve a book, if you wanted to do anything, that was your key. Is like it's printed on your school ID. Yep, and and on pieces of paper, you could just walk down the hallway after an exam. Every single piece of paper I ever received in college had my social security and, number and on it. pull just like lists of valid students. I know uh, social security numbers off of the doorways in public hallways, and you just walk. Yeah, it was a different time. But like, I mean, the thing was though that that was never intended to be. It's my understanding anyway. It was never intended to be used that way. And it, you, you know, a friend of mine used to say, you know, if you guess the wizard's true name, you know, you, you mm -hmm. get his powers. And it's like, well, you know, your true name is printed on everything. And because at the time that was just a way to having numerical representation of who you are. Yeah, it was security. It was security through obscurity because it would say, well, you don't know who one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten is. So right. it's secure. Uh, but little did they know that, guess what? Valid social security numbers for people of a age that you can guess that you could probably, you know, like identity theft, it's a thing. They're, sequ they're sequential. I mean, it's, it's, it, I've heard, of, hmm, I don't know, I can't prove this, but I've read a couple of things that are pretty wild about people born in hospitals around the same time. And I don't know if they do this anymore, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there's a, like a, a codex or a, you know, a, a system to the way those numbers happen, at least in my time and before I think if you were born at, you know, Providence Hospital in Cincinnati or you were born at, you know, wherever, like it might not be that weird for five kids born that day to have social security numbers that are roughly in the same, you know, all the same up till the end. Ugh, it's maddening. Yeah. The, 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 the namespace is not that great either way. It's only, it's only nine digits, right? Right. Well, it should be like ISBNs. Give me, give me a social security number 13. We're, we're good until we get to a billion in the U.S., but, uh, you know. And then you, you, re, you reuse the ones from dead people, I guess, but eventually, yeah. I don't, I don't, it's, it's not a great system. Like, like Rusty Shackelford. Mm -hmm. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and to run your business from websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics squarespace has got you covered squarespace combines cutting-edge design and world-class engineering making it easier than ever to establish your home online to make your ideas a reality isn't that nice they do that you can make it a reality 
Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You start out with, with professionally designed templates. They're so beautiful. And you use very simple, easy to use drag and drop tools to make it your own. You can customize the look and feel of the settings, the products you have on sale, and more with just a few clicks. It's all right in there. You just click. All Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile. That means your content is going to adjust in a way that looks great on every device and every dingus. You can check them. You can check your dingus. It looks great. You get so much stuff. You guys, Squarespace, why, why, don't, why don't you have this? Uh, what are you thinking? You, you get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. Uh, how many people out there are helping you succeed, right? You know what I'm saying? Ideas are reality. Squarespace? Yeah. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help. They'll even let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, you're going to have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to help get your ideas out there. You can use Squarespace to turn your big idea into your new site. That, that, I would start right there. Get a website at Squarespace. You can showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs. Publish your next blog post. Promote your business. Announce an upcoming event. Uh, it's, it's, it's the best. Uh, you know, my personal websites are on the Squarespace. And it's also where we, uh, where we have the uh, Roderick on the Line podcast. They're, they're great to work with. Big fan. So do me a favor right now. Go uh, head over to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S for a free trial. Okay? No credit card required. Uh, listen closely. There's no credit card required. You go in, you start messing around. You make a Squarespace site. You, you click, you drag, you drop. Jeez. Thing is, when you're ready to launch, here's a tip. Use our very special offer code DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S. That's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And that is, that is a, a guaranteed uh, unique domain name. Don't, don't let people tell you otherwise. I'll retire that bit eventually, but I still think it's funny, so I do it. Okay? Squarespace.com slash DIFFS. And when you decide to sign up, use that code DIFFS, 10% off. And it shows your support for John Craig Syracuse, which he loves. Don't, don't let his crusty Squidward-like demeanor tell you otherwise. He loves it. He loves when you support him. You know, he's got the flying monkeys. I'm a big fan. It doesn't matter what I want. I'm, I'm just there, you know, jumping around like, like, like a little uh, puppet on a string for John Syracuse. But I do love Squarespace. And I love you. Happy holidays. <laughs> Thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, yes. So thank you for, uh, thank you for allowing that. Now, see, now you seem less terse than you did during the pre-show. Do, do, mm -hmm. Are you having intestinal issues or anything? Are you drinking enough water, you think? Uh, I, I probably didn't drink enough water today. Okay. Uh, we have, uh, things here. Uh, I'm clicking. I'm clicking. Clicking. We have minis. Uh. Oh, we do have minis. Yeah. Yeah. Someday. This is, this someday, is ordinary Merlin, time. A real vacation mm. will come. Yeah, wash all this. Uh, oh, I forget the line. Filth off the street. He calls you. Calls you a little piece of chicken. Hmm. Hmm. What's his name? Harvey Keitel. Now Harvey Keitel in that one. I think his, his character's name is Sport. I want to say. Does he get his finger shot off, or is that somebody else? That is the guy in the hallway. Okay. I think it's the guy when Travis goes to get uh, Iris. Yes. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's Spoil a very upsetting scene from a seventies movie. Yes. Um. Anyways, the wolf. He talks fast. He drives fast. Yeah, I can't believe and, I thought that was uh, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, uh, it's got, no, I'm pretty sure it's when they call. It doesn't, it doesn't have John Travolta in it. Well, they call in the wolf 
to clean up the scene, right? And that's mm-hmm. when he's got a silver Acura NSX. He drives fast, and he's got his daughter, who is, uh, if memory serves, that lady from SNL, Julia Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about talk about my self-imposed vacation. Yeah, your real, your real vacation here. In the, and then our main topic says Merlin took a real vacation. Is it like a real doll? <laughs> Um, gosh, I'm really not sure which handle to on mm-hmm. the suitcase to just, grab. Just, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not that familiar with the McElroys, otherwise, I'd make the real sword joke. A real sword, How I you know, curse that a real bit. sword. You mean I like know. a nerf sword? Yeah. It cursed a real sword. The reason I bring it up here is to update you on a topic that goes back years. Which is a little bit jazz you and I throw at each other about the word vacation. Do you, do you remember this from previous episodes, John? I do. Because, I, you know, I, I think I can place almost exactly where this happened. Yes. I can place this to my lady friend had to go to a work event in Washington, D.C. in uh, a few years ago. And it was right in the middle of the school year for our purposes, springtime. And we're talking about how, like, we had to go to Washington. So all three of us went. We, she was out of school for, like, four days. I got a bunch of nasty grams. I got, even though we told them ahead of time, this is what we're doing, even though we, you know, you still get the auto, the, like, you know, robocall every day about how your kid's absent and has to go to a gulag now or whatever. But, and I think that's where the jazz started was me saying, I don't consider this a vacation. And we represent, I, you tell me, I feel like we represent very different parts of the spectrum in that I count almost nothing that most people quote unquote, call quote unquote vacation. It's not my idea of a vacation. Just because I have to go somewhere and visit with family does not make it what I would call a vacation. Tell me how you define a vacation and, and how that differs from my uh, simple-minded approach. Yeah, I think, if, I think if you're taking a trip somewhere and it's not for work, it's probably yeah. a vacation. yeah. And I always, you know, we have fun with it, but like, honestly, like, believe me, what, what I went through, especially with that poor woman, uh, all the stuff that I went through this summer, boy, that was so not a vacation for me. I don't want to, I don't want to go to COVID land. I don't want to be on a plane. Mm-hmm. And let's just remember like August of the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our first time. I, mean, I, I was so, John, I was so blown away last week as we record this today is November 30th. Last week we went to our in-laws for Thanksgiving it's the first time we've gone to their house in two years. And now, you know, I'm mostly getting over a lot of the COVID time problems, the distortion of time. Things seem long, so things seem short. It's not even consistently weird, but like I'm mostly kind of over that now. But still, I was like, it's been two years. Like it feels like a year. But like that's a thing we do was we go there for Thanksgiving. Now, this summer, we had not gone anywhere in a really long time. I mean, we've eaten in a restaurant a couple times. We went to a rock and roll show. Um, my daughter's first concert we went to a few weeks ago was amazing. Ricky Montgomery, check him out. He's very talented. Uh, that was great. But we just, you know, we're still in. We're just sitting here shaking our heads about what, what the hell is going to go on, you know, with this unfixed problem. But we hadn't gone anywhere but I know I did not consider that a vacation. I don't consider almost any of those things vacations because my idea of a vacation is a more personal notion of like, you know, you talk about how you're good at vacations. 
right? And how like you, uh, if, if there's anything you're good at, apart from not breaking the spine on your book, it's disappearing into not being at work. Whatever you want to call that, wouldn't you agree that's one of your skills? Sure. Because you, well, you, I, but you've said stuff like, you've joked, I guess, about stuff like, I don't even know if I'd know the passcode to get back in the building anymore. I don't know if, you know what I mean? Like you're so good at unhooking. Yeah, letting letting things go when you know now is not the time where you have to worry about that. Letting it go so much that it yeah, just if you're going to go to Long Island for brain. two weeks, you're going to really unhook. I mean, in, in ideal circumstances, as as opposed to constantly worrying about work. Oh, what is this going to be yes. like when I get back to work or whatever? And you know, like just being able to uh, to set it aside to, to, in very targeted circumstances, set aside certain things, knowing that you're going to pick them up again later. It's not like you're saying, that's it. I'm never going back to my job. You are, you're going back to your job, but to set it right. aside and say, this is the time when I relax and then, you know, and have Which confidence I've that you'll pick it up. I've never been good at, even though I, I don't think I am what <laughs> I think a lot of people would agree. I'm not what we typically would call a, a workaholic. I mean, I, on, I mean, like the thing is, though, I bred myself or, as you say, evolutioned myself in the mid 2000s because I was a, a personal publisher, right? Like I had to, I, I had to, I felt like I needed to be posting like, especially by 2005 or so, 2006, like I really felt like I needed to be posting like, you know, a fair amount of the time. If you're going to have a blog and it's your job, like you can't post once a month or once a year or whatever, not you. But, um, but that, that was when I broke myself, I think. First of all, it's always been a little bit difficult for me to unhook. But starting in the mid-2000s, I can look at it in retrospect and I can go, I was really bad at vacations. The way I think I've described it to you before is like, the, the most evident way is it takes me days. Let me put it this way. Almost every vacation, quote unquote, that I go on, I'm not good at vacation until the penultimate or perhaps second to the last day. It takes me that long to like unclench, get into it, get the rhythm. We got the supplies. I'm not stressing about all of this. I just don't have the state of mind to just turn that off and on, on and off. You know what I mean? Which is why it doesn't feel like a vacation to me. And I just, I'm here to tell you, I said to myself, I said, you're going to go on vacation. Because to me, the vacation is not the travel. The vacation is the part you're, you're highlighting, which is I need to not have things I need to do. I need, I need some agency over like, well, let's be honest, a big one. I don't want to see anything on my calendar. Like unless I put it there because I want it to be there, unless I put like make labels for Ziploc bags, I'll save that for due by Friday. You know what I mean, though? That to me, if, I, if I'm trying to like really say like what I think a vacation is, a vacation is getting to do the things that I want to do, which almost always include being left alone. Not necessarily by my beloved close family, but like, why do I not love the vacation of Rhode Island? Because I'm still on the hook for everybody else who's great at vacation. They're great at vacation when they're still at their office. Like they're, they can just like just get on a boat with a beer and they're good to go. Whereas I'm like, oh, what's the plan for tonight? Will I need a swimsuit? Uh, you know, will, will we have eaten? What if we're sunburned, you know? And by the way, I did look up second order stuff and I think you're getting it wrong. But the second order stuff of like, if this goes this way, then what can I expect will happen as a result? I have ADHD. I have anxiety. My brain, is, it's like a dog with a bone. So my idea of a vacation is not about travel. It is about lack of obligation, but maybe most importantly, knowing in my heart that even if something does come up, it's going to have to wait because I'm on island time. 
And I did that last week. I can tell you more about that, but do you have any remarks? So what was different about this? I mean, how long were you gone for this Thanksgiving thing? Well, that was a night. But here's what I'm, here's what I'm trying to distinguish. Vacation, I don't know if that's the right word. I took a week off, which I never do. I mean, John, when we travel, quote unquote, to vacation somewhere for however long, I mean, there's still all this stuff I've got to do. Even if we're staying on property at Disney, you have a, you've had a whole concierge for that process in the past. Like, there's a lot to manage uh, about doing anything. And I don't know, Merlin 2021 is done apologizing for being honest. But that's that's the thing is that like for me, I said to myself, and this does spin out of a future topic, which is my wisdom project. One of the things, a recent addition to the wisdom project, I'll put it in notes. One of the additions recently is to practice going on vacation before you go on vacation. And that's advice to me, like all the wisdom document, is that like I need to practice being on vacation when I'm not out of town with my family. You know, I believe there's a lot of stuff in life where it really helps a lot to practice in a low stakes environment, whether that's your kid leaving the house or, you know, whether that's, going back into COVID-ish life, like whatever it is, low stakes. Let's keep it low stakes. So long story short, what I said was, I'm going to contact, I didn't need to contact you because it was a bye week for us. I contacted all of my other people that I had obligations with to record. And it's, it's not hard. You know, it's like any of the silly seasons where you have to manage these things, Christmas, you know, summer. And I just contacted all my co-hosts and said, hey, can we skip this week? Of course, with John Roderick, before I even had the words out of my mouth, he was like, of course. Um, but Alex and I, we took a week off, and Dan and I, took, so we'll have those sponsors be the week after that. And I said to myself, like, as soon as I'm done on whatever, the Thursday before last, I was like, I'm going to be off. I'm going to take off the next five business days. And so what did I need to, I mentioned this to you guys on Slack, but like my only obligations for the week were talking to my shrink on Monday morning and getting the Rectifs episode up last week. And apart from that, I took the week off and I was kind of not proud of myself. I was happy with myself because I loved it. I, there was, John, there were times when I wasn't even sure what day it was. I was almost always two days off, which was unheard of because my kid's off school, right? So that, you know what I mean? That cue of like, oh, it's this day and this kinds of things happen. My wife was mostly off. My kid was totally off. I was kid, off. Kid was off school for the whole week. Mm-hmm. Really? What what kind of weird vacation schedule is that? They get San Francisco. Uh, high schools are still we're still in session for part of that, but um, yeah, I, I don't have any input on that. But that that was that is was. Is there the a thing. name for this vacation? Is it called Thanksgiving break? Oh, I don't know. It probably has some kind of a you know a cute and yeah. Maybe it's because you don't have winter break. I guess. Or maybe you do. We I do. Know. I think. I think not the one there, around Christmas, but like a, oh. like a February winter break. Um, no, we get we get what I would call Christmas break, and we get what I would call spring break. Spring break is usually I'll never forget this because March of 2020 we had our plans mm. for our third trip to Disneyland ever. We're all so excited. I've told you this story mm-hmm. back, you know, but you know. As of the first week of March, maybe into the second week of March, we were making jokes about, hey, maybe there won't be anybody at the park. Mm. And then as is already being featured in many TV shows as a funny event, whether it's Tiger King or the other two, then March 20th or whatever comes along. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I guess we're not going to go to that. But that's how I remember uh, spring break is usually the end of March. Uh, no, I don't think. There's that usual drought you get of like the January, February doldrums where you get some, get some MLK, 
I think you get a president, you get, but there's not that many days off till what we used to call Easter break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, all right. So this, you took a real vacation and uh, I was misled by the, the traveling part, but that wasn't the vacation. The vacation was you no. clearing, clearing your calendar essentially and having I a staycation. That it, that did it, well, sure. Yeah. Did it I nailed it, like, man. I totally nailed it. I spent, I spent time with my dumb kid and it was great. Like we, we went places, we did things like we, you know, did daddy daughter stuff. Like, you know, the photo I took of her with the blue hair, like that was just a day where I was like, Hey, let's just, let's just go, you know, hang out. Well, you know, well, uh, what was the original reason for it was we needed to get something at a mall ish thing. So we walked like a mile to that. We would go and get boba and just like hang out. And, um, I just wanted to pat myself on the back because, well, first of all, I bring it back to you because I don't know if this helps at all in our fake contentious relationship, but that, that was my idea of a vacation. As modest as it was, it meant that I, John, it meant literally that I could go and struggle with the crappiness of the Dymo label maker hardware and software so that I could label all of my cable bags, my cable labels. <laughs> but it was exactly what I wanted. That was exactly the point was I could putter, I could hang, I could sleep when I felt like it and not feel... And you know what? Here's the thing. Here's, here's the real take home is it was all on me to not be terrible at that for 20 years. It's all on me that I have been terrible at that and have struggled to get better at it in ways that are mostly just a different kind of stress title. But like, I was really happy with how it went. It could not have been more modest. Like you said, I hate the phrase staycation. It's just, it's not even <laughs> cute, but yeah, I mean, um, but it was just really nice. I had some nice moments with the family that you don't get to do when you're always stressed out and feeling behind about laundry and you know what I mean? Just all the, all the existential cruft and kipple that makes you feel like at least makes me feel a little bit like I'm carrying a backpack full of bricks. So I just wanted to say, well, it's you, John Syracuse. That's my idea. No, that's what I call vacation <laughs> is like, I get to like, I can go to my office. I can go to Boba with my kid we found a really cool uh, walking stick we thought would be good for a hobbit. We went and we visited some of the adoptable cats at the PetSmart. It was just, it was really nice. And I think, I would like to think that that can be a template for making me get better about, quote unquote, real vacation in the future. And Thanksgiving overlapped with this period of time, right? So you, what, you traveled yeah, somewhere yeah. for Thanksgiving? Where did you travel? Did you travel far away? No, no, no. We, um... We were debating. It's kind of tough. Like I like not tough, but it's it's a little challenging, especially amidst these uh, challenging times. You know, we're going to like and it was a very small group. It was basically just uh, not immediate family, but it, we went to our in laws' house. So like my nephew and his wife were there. Um, not the whole extended. Not all of her kids were there. Um, my. My brother-in-law's sister and husband were there. It was like eight people. This dinner. is not in Rhode Island, right? No, no. This is in gold country. All that right. sounds like such a dumb phrase. But basically, you drive out to Sacramento, and then you drive a little more, mm -hmm. and you're out where they live. And it is actually called gold country, because that's where the Sutter's Mill is. Did you go to the Ricky Montgomery concert also during this time? No. That was, I believe, the week before. But we were trying to figure out how to, like land this plane as far as like, cause you know, Sue tends to have dinner served a little bit late cause she's a little bit fancy. And we were like, Hmm, what should we do? So we went and got a, um, a pretty nice hotel room to stay overnight Thanksgiving night. You know, it's always a fun uh, thing to watch Harry Potter in the room. Cause Harry Potter is apparently just always on during Thanksgiving. You watch the dog show, 
you'd see the Charlie Brown in the parade. And, um, and so we just stayed overnight and then came home. It was actually, as it turned out, on my birthday, we came home. And uh, no, that was it. All the travel was mm, with a potty stop and gas. Uh, it's, uh, mm, I would call it two and a half hours away and then back. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Memberful. You can learn more about Memberful right now by visiting memberful.com slash diffs. Now, now, you know, a lot of the time I, I tell you about Memberful, and I'm going to tell you in a minute, but a lot of times we talk about this from the POV of uh, what we call a content creator. But like, what if you got a business? Can they do anything for you? Damn right, they're Memberful. The easiest way to sell memberships to your audience, and it's used by the biggest creators on the web, you can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. Now, now you know, the business that is called Relay, uh, I think they call it Relay FM, but Relay.FM, if you're doing the TLD with the unique domain name, they're using Memberful. You know, a lot of you are, are on Memberful you know, right now because that's, that's how, we, how we do this. I can't even tell you that much about how it works. It says here, it's a section called personal experience. Where's my personal experience? Is it works great. Like I, I pay for a lot of stuff in my life through Memberful and uh, I, I belong to lots of Memberful related things and they make it really, really super easy. Their site is easy to use. It's, it's, it, it's the best. Yeah, maybe your business's financial situation has changed in the past year. I mean, who hasn't, right? But now you need a proven solution. It's quick to launch so you can stabilize your business and grow. I want, I want to see you grow. I want you to thrive, right? Memberful handles the hard stuff. So you can focus on what you do best, you know, making stuff. And uh, you can, uh, you know, see your, your earning uh, revenue go up quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Memberful. Uh, but it leaves you with full control. This is so important. Full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. You're just going to help you out with the parts you need help with. It has everything you need to run a membership program, including an optimized checkout, Apple Pay, easy member management, dashboard analytics, free trials, gift subscriptions, and more. Try making that on your own. Actually, you know what? Don't. Go to memberful.com slash diffs. And Memberful seamlessly integrates with the tools that you already use, including lots of fully managed integrations with the most popular services. If you're using WordPress, MailChimp, Discord, lots more, it'll work with Memberful. And you can now send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful. These things are blowing up. Right, but but you get on the memberful. It's gonna make it easy for you, and you're gonna get all the memberful stuff like like built in. And you, you know you don't need to connect to a third party email provider. How cool is that? You can even publish your paid newsletter content to uh, the memberful hosted members only website. No additional fee when you're signed up for memberful's pro or premium plans. Plus, you'll save money compared to the other popular hosted newsletter platforms. You know that's kind of nice to hear. So do me a favor right now. You go, go get started for free. Go to memberful.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. No credit card required. Just go check it out. Memberful.com slash diffs and see what it could do for your business. Is that, you know, I don't consider myself a business, but I mean, it's really helpful because, you know, money is good. You know, they, they, they can just have that. Uh, our thanks to Memberful for supporting Reconcilable Differences, Relay FM, and, uh, you know, all the great shows. It's Memberful. Yeah, so that was the extent of the travel was going to eat dinner and staying overnight in a hotel and then coming back at eight the next morning. Well, what I would call what you had there is what sounds like what you definitely needed is time off. You had some time off. That's a good distinction. Time off from what? Time off from your work. 
Well, time, time, like, you know, but the thing is, John, the thing that runs this should be running through all of this is, and again, as the author of my own awkwardness, is that it takes me willfully, mindfully, purposefully saying before it comes up, hey, start getting in the mood, like, start getting into this. You know, I've told you about that, that phrase, we, a word we use, jubilee. So, like, whenever she has, like, a week off, we call it jubilee. And um, it's like, hey, you know, jubilee's coming. Why don't I take that time off? And, and again, I mean, I'm not here to say, oh, I'll go spend time with my family. Well, no, my family does fine without me around. Like, they, if I was with my family all the time for a week, uh, they would be hating it. I mean, but because I can go to my office, I can do my label, cable labels, I can do all those things. That's a good distinction, though. Yeah. Vacation, you think of, like, if you were to say, for example, like, we've been saving for five years so that we can go to Greece for two weeks or whatever, and we're going to go to the sites in the Acropolis and get a euro i guess uh and you definitely probably call that a vacation what did you call it a uh time off yeah you had time off i like that how much time off do you take that's not a vacation i think we talked about this on this show or maybe other one um uh about how the vacation policy at my work has recently changed it used to be you get x number of days you you earn vacation days throughout the year yeah. for a total of x uh, you know the year and you can only carry over a certain amount if you don't spend them and that whole system and that it recently changed to this flexible time off which is like uh we're not going to do that anymore instead just take off when you feel like it oh god that's so much less cool than it the sounds. advantage to the company of yeah. the they just take off when time off when you feel like it is that a they don't have to pay you for unused vacation time so if you quit and you have a, you know five unused vacation days they don't have to pay you for those because there are no and also also because you're you're a fancy working boy you're probably going to be reluctant to just say like oh i'm going to disappear for a while yeah and then yeah and then b you know like the half sheets of paper towels they have done studies that show actually when you institute this program people take less vacation not more so it's win-win for the company oh absolutely uh, but, and but they get little, to look cool yeah, but so what I the way I do my vacation is I continue to track it as if I was accruing days and I just pretend that I had the same amount of vacation days as, as I had before we started the system and I spend them as if I need to spend them. And I carry over day I I quote unquote carry over these fictional days uh in the amount to say okay, well, if I didn't spend them last year, I'm carrying these over and I and I give myself carryover limits too. I say, "Oh, Remember the old rule right. where you only carry over an X number of days? Pretend that's still the rule to force you to spend them. What is it usually, is it usually like five, five or so days or like the, the limit usually? Yeah, I forget what the number is, but yeah. Something I think, like that. Uh, they got, no, I, may, I, I might be able to carry over like eight or something. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, I and I force myself to that limit, even though the limit doesn't actually exist, just because it forces me to spend them, right? And I, and I know this didn't do very well. In the first COVID year, I way underspent my vacation. I, I think I ended up like- I think a lot of people did. You know, yeah. quote unquote losing you know two or three days that i didn't spend obviously i didn't lose them because it's this is not this is all just a system in my head but i'm doing this to basically force myself to take vacation and during the first year of covid i did not do a good job like many other people in remembering to actually spend those vacation days and trying to do better this year i think i'm i've I put in for the i should look i put in for the rest of my vacation days for the year I'm I'm probably still underspending, but uh, not by too much. I'm I'm you know I'll ha I'll have a lot of vacation in December. Yeah, but it's yeah. Well, it's just no one drag it out. But I I do think that those are the kinds of things. Like you remember when we first heard about Netflix's famous slide deck about what a great company they are and mm -hmm. like you know where ideas can hang out and just do whatever. And like at the time, people like me especially, I remember posting about it on my website that I felt compelled to post on all the time, saying, "Wow, this is really cool!" Like. 
they really trust their employees to like do the thing and just do your work. And isn't that cool? That's one way to look at it. And another way to look at it is that if you are, I can, I, I, I can never get away from like, what if you are a new person at work who is a woman and you're in a, especially not just women or whatever, but like, you're going to be pretty unlikely to want to have to go to somebody if you're, especially if you're new, especially if, like you need to be seen. Like there's so much, at least in my day, it was a huge deal. I was telling my wife how nutty it is that when I got my $22,000 a year job in 1991, my bonus the first year was like $1,500. But I don't think I worked more than a couple 80 hours a week, 80 hour weeks, but I did work a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like it was pretty standard for it to be a 50 plus hour a week. And I look back at that now and like, even adjusting for inflation, it's pretty bananas how important it was for me to feel like I was seen there before the boss got there, like Costanza style, because you want to go showing, show everybody that, yeah, guess what? I have this really unhealthy idea about boundaries and it's really important to me that you like me and think I'm good. At least that's how I felt, if I'm being honest. But You're like, trying, my trying God, to figure that's out so unhealthy. within this system, what do I have to do to advance in the system? And sometimes it feels like one of the things that you that will help you advance in the system that is work is mm-hmm. being there a lot, showing up before the boss, you know, yes. that type of that feels like often and sometimes truthfully is. If you're new there and you're you not being advance. seen, what's the point, really? Yeah, because come, come time to figure out who is going to get raises, who's going to get promoted, who's going to get the nice office. I want you to think of me as the good employee. And uh, and how, what do I do to make that happen? One of the things is sometimes, hey, I am always there. Yeah, yeah. And I think people, I would not be surprised at all if the policy you're describing and the ones like it make people much more reluctant to be the ones that have to stick their head up. And, eat, you know, it's not like you're asking for the days off, I guess, but you are. I was thinking about this today. I had cable, some cable news on and was thinking about how, it's interesting, like, I noticed there's several newscasters on, like, CNN today where they had, like, a replacement today. And I wonder what, like, if you're uh, Nicole Wallace, like, is there, like, do you have to, like, say weeks ahead of time that you're going to be out for the week? Like, I wonder how that goes. Because yeah, that airtime is very precious. Interesting thing. I mean, obviously, on air, TV personalities have a much stricter thing than I do with my silly jobs. But like, even though we have this flexible system where there's no, in theory, no one is keeping track. You're not earning days. You're not spending them. It's just like when you want time off, uh, take time off. But the existing system, as in like the actual like intranet website that you go to, it's still the same system, which is that you request days off and your manager approves them or denies them. And oh, that interesting. Is, that is, you know, it's. It's the same system as before, only now, in theory, no one is keeping track of the totals, but it has always been, oh, it's flexible oh, time I'm off. I'm sure it's, they're keeping track. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, between, it's between you and your manager as to when it is right. okay for you to take time off. Like, you know, if you have a team of people and you're all working together, it's like, well, you can't all take all time off the same exact time because there'll be nobody here to, you know, watch the dragon, see past episodes. Yep. Um, but yeah, it still is the same system. Uh, I submit and then I wait to see whether they were approved or not. Um, and, you know, they just they just get approved. Like it's not, you know. Does the not... approval come out of, oh, you know, you got your request in too late and somebody has to watch the dragon? Is that generally well, that, why? It's always part of my calculus as a person who has been work in the working world for many years is that, yeah, the earlier you put in for your vacation, imagine yeah. you're on a team with a bunch of other people. If you get your vacation in first and you get approved, mm-hmm. then it's the other people's problem to say, well, they put in their vacation. Oh, it looks, that looks like half the team is already out on that day. So you can you cover that day? Right. So getting mm-hmm. in your vacation early is 
is nice for multiple reasons. One, you get there first and you can drag the days you want. But, you know, two, it gives your boss more notice about I, I can let me think about coverage over the holidays or whatever. And as opposed to like the day before. Oh, oh by the way, uh, starting tomorrow, I want two weeks off. That's not a good mm-hmm. position for to put somebody in. So no, 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 that's that's going to be awkward. Um, you've been at a last bit on this. Um, you've been in an adult jobby job, certainly more consistently and arguably longer than I ever have been or was. When, in your estimation, did we first start talking about personal days? Do you remember? Was that a 90s, late 90s thing, maybe? I think that was a thing before I got my first real job after college. All so right, maybe so 80? Yeah, I think, I think personal days, maybe late 80s, early 90s started to come in. Um, I would love to advocate for everybody, including or perhaps especially minor children in school, to get personal days. And yes, you should get a certain amount. I think you should get five personal days a year. I really do. Like, you know, because the things, I don't want to fib and say that I'm sick, but you know, when you're 13, sometimes you just, you just not today. Maybe, maybe you need to catch up on some work or something, but more often it's just like, you know, I think you could even call it, I I need to take an I can't even day. I have a lot of days I want to take an I can't even day. I really would love to see personal days become something we're much more okay with just, even if we call it something different. You know what I mean? I just, I love the idea of like, it's almost like I'm reminded of, well, content warning, something Nietzsche said about self-harm. But, you know, it's a consolation to know that I may not take a single personal day this year, but if I wanted to, I could take at least three. Just to know you could. What do you think about, isn't that a good idea, personal days? The concept of personal days kind of relies on uh, an unspoken agreement uh, that existed before the creation of personal days. And that unspoken agreement is mm-hmm. that there are quote unquote legitimate reasons to have time off. So let's, let's think about work and set aside school for a second. If you're sick, having surgery, right. that okay. kind so, of thing. Yeah. So like you get a certain number of vacation days that you earn, right? And then you earn them. And this is a currency that you can spend to take vacations. But even within that, there is a framework of saying, okay, and you will take these days during times that are not unexpected and you will take this time to go on a vacation, right? And so they don't expect don't, you... Don't start thinking you have agency over this. You still have to run all of this through us. And right. it, you have to and, have a good reason. And, and they don't expect you to be like, just take, a, take off a random Thursday. Like, they expect you to sort of to submit. Sometimes there were formal rules. If you, right. you know, Dwight Schrute's going to turn up at your house and see if you're really yeah, sick. Put, put in for your vacation days when you want them. These are the type of things you'd have to set ahead of time. They would expect it to be in, in sort of contiguous blocks around expected times during which you would do vacation things. That's what vacation is. It's a benefit of the job. You earn them and you can spend them. Uh, and and we expect you to use them in like in the quote unquote normal way. We don't expect you to randomly throughout the year, a day ahead of time, 17 different times say, oh, by the way, I'm taking off tomorrow. Oh, by the way, I'm taking right. off tomorrow. That's not how they expected you to use them. There may or may not have been written rules telling you that. But that's not the expectation. So the concept mm-hmm. of personal day exists because they say, okay, we want to give a new kind of benefit, which, which is here is a new thing that you have. Yes, you accrue 0.27 vacation days per day that you work or whatever the ratio is. I'm doing the math wrong, I'm sure. Right. But also every employee gets at the beginning of the year, this little tiny candy basket that has three personal days in it. And you can spend those personal days whenever you want. So you don't even, you, like very importantly here, you could take it anytime and you do not have to tell us what you're doing. 
or why? Well, you, you, so you, that's the whole thing. You never, the, the thing about any kind of system is you never actually have to tell anyone. There's no, usually not a rule that says, and by the way, you have to tell us what you're doing. There I really is. And I think that's part of the, I, I'm trying to, I'm really fighting myself trying not to say this because I sound so Holden Caulfield, but whether they, it's, this is hegemony, in my opinion. They don't need to have this overtly on their minds, let alone on the books, but they don't want you to feel too free. You need to feel beholden. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, it's the unspoken and unwritten yeah. rule for vacation days. It's, uh, sometimes it was actually written, but most of the time not. And that's why personal days exist. It's because let us now give you a tiny vehicle that in which we will free you from the things that we never talked about before about uh, regular vacation days. Uh, mm-hmm. The the written thing is these don't accrue usually. Usually you just get them. I mean, you get one or two of them. You get them per year. You don't have to wait for them to accrue. On January 1st, you've got... Some places I remember the, back in the, the day, you get limit. your birthday off would be one. Right. Um, yeah. And then you can you can use them anytime you want. Well, guess what? You can use vacation days anytime you want to by most policies at most sane companies. And also, at most companies, you don't actually have to tell anyone what you're doing, or you can just lie to them. I'm going to Bermuda. They're not going to check to make sure you go to Bermuda, right? This is the This is the... Second unwritten things, which is that if you've worked in, in company, in regular, quote unquote, regular companies your whole career, you eventually learn all the second set of unwritten rules, which is as an employee, you can tell your boss anything they you think they want to hear to let you approve the vacation days. Oh, yeah, I'm going to my cousin's wedding in Hawaii. And then you just stay at home and play video games. Like, right. if, if you think telling your boss that will make them more likely to approve, approve your requested vacation well, days, but do it. But and also then, to, like, establish, like, yeah, if I'm in Hawaii, you can't just call me in or ask me where the Henderson well, report is. Well, it depends uh, on, on what kind of job you have. But then, so the personal day thing <laughs> is, is like, okay, the, the construct of this concept is, A, you don't earn them, and B, now we've added this sort of surrounding context that makes it much less likely that your boss will even ask you what you're doing because it's personal. I'm taking a personal. Day. Oh, is it one of your lady days? Are mm-hmm. you going to a doctor to get a mole checked out to see if you have cancer? Is it a mental health day? Like there's all we, yeah, there's because, like this. because if you're somewhere during the daylight hours, I think the the impl- again hegemony. But like, I think the implicit thing is like, if it's daylight hours, you better be thinking about how you should probably be at work. Yeah. And, and so the, like the personal days thing is, isn't this just the exact same benefit as before? But now we have a different set of unspoken, unwritten agreement about what it is, because I, I, like in most of the places I work, there has been literally no difference between vacation days and personal days, except for mm. the unwritten social expectations around them. Everything sure. else about them, yeah. physically speaking, other than perhaps the fact that you don't earn them has been exactly the same. But it's like you, eventually you see the matrix and you're like, this is a bucket of benefits that you're giving to make this an attractive job. And people do find it attractive. They like the idea of having one bucket that's my vacation days and another bucket that's my personal days. Sometimes there was a third bucket, which is your quote unquote sick days. This used to all used to, used to be a thing, especially early in my career. You had uh-huh. a separate bucket with sick days. And I guess the idea is if you used all those, but you're still sick, oh, well, just die. <laughs> well, I mean, you could take him out of your vacation days. Well, yeah, but now do you want to spend your vacation days on sickness? And sometimes you weren't even allowed to do that. The way this came up in our house a couple of nights ago was we saw uh, there's a commercial for this shingles treatment. And I was reminded of the time in, I think, the first year I was there. So 91, maybe 92, uh, where I caught chicken pox. Uh, I never had it before. Came to work. So at that time, I would be 25, 26, and I passed it on to a guy who was in like his late 30s, 
he got really, really sick. So you all probably know this, but like the older you get chicken pox, I think especially for men, the more dire the, um, the results, the effect. So like, you know, you can become sterile. I think he actually got, if it wasn't shingles, it should have been. Like he was, he looked like he had grayscale. Like he was bad. Um, but you know why? Because you come to work sick, that's how you get a medal. Everybody at this office would come to work sick. And I know we're going to look back in retrospect and go, wow, that's really, do you understand how that's ultimately extremely unproductive? Well, yeah, I do. It's very unhygienic, (laughs) as Nandor might say. But of course you did that. To be seen like, whoa, you showed up early today and you're like really, really sick and you're working. Oh my God. You know, you're one of the true believers here because that was the culture there. I mean, we could have. I'm not even going to argue with you that that was a terrible culture, but that's what the culture was. And and this is in, you know, white collar jobs where we actually have sick days and so many other, you know, jobs that there are zero sick days. And if you're sick, you don't come into work, you don't get paid. Uh, And that's why people come in sick is like, I need to get paid so I can pay my rent. So of course I'm going to come in sick. It's terrible incentives. Um, In the fancy white collar world, like there was a sort of a a, a reckoning several years into my career where they said we have too many these these pretend buckets where we put like the benefits that we give our employees, personal days, sick days, vacation days, blah, blah, blah. Let's simplify that. And there was a big consolidation where many, many more companies said, "Okay, we're no longer going to have separate sick days and vacation days. We're going to put this into one giant bucket. We'll just call it PTO paid time off. Um, and that includes your sick days and your vacation days. And I can tell you as any, any person who, uh, you know, as any group of people that lives within a system and learns to navigate it, people didn't like that because they said, I don't want to spend my vacation days when I'm sick. You're telling me if I'm sick for three days, that Mm -hmm. comes out of my vacation days. And the management's like, oh no, you don't understand. Like, it's just the same amount of days. We're just putting them in one bucket because the previous distinctions were stupid. But that's, that's, that's such behavioral economics because we tend to fear loss. You know what I mean? In that case, it feels like we're losing. Yeah. And so in the end, because it was more convenient from an accounting perspective, from, from the company's perspective, people just got used to it. And really that wasn't actually a loss of anything for the most part. It really just was employees had to reframe stuff. But I, I personally hated having sick days because I hated the idea of like, well, if I'm not sick during a year, I don't get those days off. But if I'm sick for more, if I'm sick for, it's, it's, it was a partitioning. It was a fragmentation problem. So I like putting them into the same bucket. If you are unlucky though they put them into the same bucket and now the sum of your your you know 15 vacation days plus three sick days equals 15 days of pto what the hell happened i just lost three days like yeah well it's a simplification no 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 it's a simplification and also you took away benefits but anyway white collar jobs are you know we've been lucky enough that they need employees uh, enough that they try to make the, the benefits this, so this is also an example though something I, I was i was not prepared to totally take you to task with last time but were you talking what were we talking about Oh, we're talking about gender. And, and I mentioned that thing about, you know, actresses and Harvey Weinstein. And you said something very true, which is like, you know, well, the problem is like, I forget exactly what you said, but it was along the lines of, well, you know, this whole culture is terrible. You know, it's a shame that you even have to be in the culture. And I was trying to say, well, if you want to play the game in Hollywood, not the Harvey Weinstein game necessarily, but like, you don't just to like get to like move somewhere that's convenient for you. If if you're an unknown actor, like you need to be in L.A. or New York, yeah, right? There's a power imbalance. The geographic but, but, but power no, but imbalance. Also, is but also, but also, it's just imbalance. like the I I only mention this because this is another thing I have had to learn back from the days where I would go in and hector people out of you know peace speaking gig about how they check email too much. It's like, well, I have to check email because that's otherwise my boss thinks I'm not working. I've tried to, you know, 
it's become much easier to become sensitive to that. So that's that's what I'm talking about also here, though, is this culture of like, nobody needed to print, nobody you would never say to somebody, you need to be here 50 hours a week at least, and you need to come in when you're sick to prove that you're part of the tribe. Well, I could have gone somewhere else and gotten a different job. It wouldn't have paid as well. I wouldn't have had as much freedom in the job that I was doing. I mean, I was very fortunate to have that. But like, that's the problem with a lot of these terrible cultures is from the outside, we look at other people in a bad culture and go, okay, here's a classic, John. Oh my God, you black people in Chicago, you sure love your guns and shooting each other. Why don't you just move? You're like, do you have any idea how hard it is to move when you don't have a lot of money? It's such a classic, it's such a classic idiotic white person thing to say is like, oh, all these poor people live like animals. Why don't they just move to the suburbs like I do? And it's like, well, where do I begin? I just think it's good to be sensitive to like the cultural things that maybe, maybe you and I are aware of, maybe we're not, but like, you know, you don't want to scare the boss into thinking you're going to get pregnant or that, you know what I mean? There's all of these things that like you could never codify that legally or even ethically, but like, it's still there. So what do you do? Just not have a job? Well, you have to, you have to, you have to be okay with a culture that says you got to ask us for when you want to go on vacation. Yeah, you get all you want, but you still got to ask for it. You can't just, you're allowed to go to the bathroom, but you know, you need a hall pass. And if you do that too much, we're going to think you're smoking reefers or something like that. And, and I feel like what we're talking about here with this, like, it's just this implicit assumption that if you thought of your life as a pie graph, soon as we hire you for this job, you need to think of that pie being mainly full of us. You going home to get some sleep is an exception. You taking a vacation is an exception. It is noted. You know what I mean? I, I, you can't say that, but I really feel like that's what it is. We need to keep you in a state of mind where you feel beholden to this and where you're still a little bit scared about asking us anything that's not total compliance. As you mentioned with your whole uh, vacation thing, especially in fancy dancy, uh, you know, white collar jobs, a lot of the the prison is of our own making. Like that, yes. you know, because, you know, when you start out, it, when you get your first white collar job, chances are before that you didn't have a, a white collar job. You, you, you know, you worked at McDonald's or something and yeah. you, you learn what that culture is like. And that's the only work culture you've ever known. Right. It's like, OK, well, this here's what the world culture is. Like. And so you land in your white collar job. And you you detect instinctively if I show up before the boss, this will be more likely to get me a promotion. I should come in when I'm sick because people think it's heroic. They're like, oh, you! I can't believe you came in today. What a great worker you are, whatever. Um, and you come in with those expectations. But the thing is, what you might not realize is that this isn't a job like McDonald's. And you may, not necessarily, but you may have more power than you think you have. And in fact, that your worst enemy is yourself. Like uh, the movie Office Space is a great example of this. Someone in, in a white collar job that's that's terrible starts, you know, basically because they don't care and have nothing less to lose, which is obviously not a situation we want to be in. But like it's a funny movie starts doing mm. things that seem completely self-destructive and counter to the system and instead starts getting looked upon as like a superstar or, you know, like you can't believe the, you know, this yeah, guy like must, he, the Bob's, the Bob's can't spook this guy. Right. And he must be an important person because only an important person mm -hmm. would have this flagrant disregard for their supposed response. Yeah. If anything, we should be looking to him for his wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and <laughs> that, I think that's true of like the vacation days thing of like, how long does it take an employee to figure out that you either don't need to tell your boss why you're taking a vacation or you can just lie? Uh, some people, some people figure right. that out the first week, some people, the first year, some people, the first decade. Right. 
uh, but like truths of how to exploit the system or the, uh, the idea of like, oh, it seems like I have to put in for vacation days early because this is a game and a system we play. But like, but then something actually happens and it's an emergency and you ask for two weeks off with one day notice and you just get it. And you're like, mm-hmm. could I have done that always? Was this like a special <laughs> favor? Is it because I've been here a long time? Or could I have just done that the first week I got here? And you start really questioning. this as something dangerous to me? <laughs> right. You start really questioning like the people in office yeah. space, like, what actually is my job and what responsibilities are real versus one? He does go one- to flingers kind of a lot, though. I don't think he's supposed to be taking that much time off, especially in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, th- that's... That's just something for if you're listening to this and you're in a, you're, you're like a software developer or something, it depends on your company, but it could be that you are putting yourself under more constraints than the company is actually putting you under you that you may have more power than you think and that you can expend that power in a wise way to make your life easier. Or you can find out that actually the job is the prison you thought it was. And, and you know, really, really, it's a good idea to sort of know the parameters of your cage. Like to feel around and to say, how big is this cage and how strong are the bars? Because if you don't actually feel around, you just have your your assumption of what those bars are. And it could be those, especially, in, you know, back to like if you're like self-employed or especially or like, well, like including an abundance of caution to like, I can't be seen checking my bars too much. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But like in your case, like all those bars are like you are your own boss, as the stupid phrase goes. And a lot of those bars might have been put there by you. And you might realize, you know, I can redraw the bars and say, you know what, this week, no cage. And then just take time off for a week. But you have to actually choose to do that. Because if you don't, you just be like, oh, these darn bars, they're always around me. Like a lot of self-employed people like drive themselves to, you know, not miss a week at doing whatever is the thing that they're doing because it feels super important or whatever. But, you know, how long does it take them to figure out, you know what, I can actually declare this week I'm quote unquote not going to work this week, even though my quote unquote <laughs> job is just whatever I decided is. I could use my Jaylene uh, drill to remove my cubicle wall so I can see the window. Yeah. 